On September 16, 1993, NBC aired the first ever episode of Frasier, a spin-off series about psychiatrist Dr. Frasier Crane, the much-loved Seattle shrink from Cheers. Ten days earlier, a baby was born. A baby who we'd come to learn was destined to have someone pay him $264 to watch through every episode of Frasier with different special guests, unpacking the deeper themes behind each episode. That baby is me, Tom Zalatni, and this is a terrible, terrible idea. Welcome to They're Calling Again. The least you could do is listen. Find out if you're missing. What could you say to a stranger today? To get them on your side Everything you do is what you choose to show the world But you are more than that Today we'll be looking at Season 3, Episode 8, The Last Time I Saw Maris. Bell 5 TV On Demand summary of this episode says, Niles follows Fraser's advice to stand up to Maris, but she responds by asking for a divorce. For this episode, I'm joined by Benjamin Warner. Benjamin is one of the co-founders of Bean Duck, a producer, an actor, and a lover of all things geek culture. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing Good. fantastic. Good. I have absolutely no complaints. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I always start out the show asking my guests, a simple question. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship with Frasier like historically? Um, I, I wouldn't say I was ever um, like a diehard Frasier fan, mm. but it definitely was one of the shows like in my early childhood. You know, I'm born in 86, so uh, I suppose the release of Frasier was closer, to what it, you know, when I was closer to 10, let's say. Sure, yeah. Uh, and I do remember like being around... 9, 10, 11, whatever those those um, late elementary school years <laughs> where you kind of like, ha- you know, have a snack when you come home from school or whatever and uh, you watch whatever syndicated show is on TV between, you know, 4 and 6 p.m., I suppose. Right. And in my mind, those shows would have been like, uh, you know, maybe Seinfeld or Friends or whatever. Uh, and or like mad about you, I think was oh, on. Yeah, she is. <laughs> um, and Frasier, definitely Frasier. Right. So like, I don't think I've I don't think I've seen every episode of every season of Frasier. Certainly sure. not. But I definitely remember consistently as a child like watching right. Frasier. Frasier, obviously not tuning into anything in any way, shape, or form uh, in as much detail as I did even sitting with you right now watching right. this past episode but yeah. yeah yeah no i get that i, yeah. I think like <clears throat> i think the way that we consume media now mm. is a lot more dedicated than it was in the 90s you oh know? absolutely absolutely like, especially i mean especially when you were a kid but yeah. like i think even adults in the 90s weren't necessarily able to watch every single episode of something yeah the way that now it's like you know if you start a new show on netflix you're probably going to watch the whole thing in like a couple of months right yeah. and so like i i'm the only reason I've seen all of Frasier is because I, a few years ago, bought the DVDs and sat down and, like, <laughs> did it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So well, I get that. I, I mean, even Frasier as an example and this episode specifically that we just watched as an example, I feel like narratives are structured differently these days than they were mm. back in the 90s and the 80s with these, for lack of a better term, <laughs> cookie cutter filmed in front of a studio audience sitcoms sure like i don't think those really exist anymore i mean like big bang theory whatever 
uh, stuff like like that. I can have a whole other conversation about Big Bang oh, Theory, yeah. but yeah, that's my uh, other podcast. Yeah, um, but um, in the sense that, like, you know, you say like you start watching a show and you kind of watch the whole thing. You kind of have to watch a whole thing or choose not to watch the show. It's like mm-hmm. even even shows that I don't know. Let's say are technically considered like for children like let's mm. say the new Shira on Netflix sure, right yeah. um, are very much even though they're episodic content and mm. each episode has its own story arc technically the the story isn't about each episode the story mm. is about the whole thing it's right. just like a prolonged movie essentially yeah there's, um, there's arcs as opposed yeah. to it being entirely episodic whereas that episode of Frasier, like, okay, yes, I have technically seen Frasier before. Mm. I had to ask you a couple questions just to remind myself as we were going, like, oh, who's Maris again? His wife? And like, yeah. okay, right. Um, um, but I, if I didn't ask you those questions when I asked you them, if I just mm. waited to the end of the episode, I would have understood everything completely. Like, right. every, yeah. like the the exposition, <laughs> conflict and resolution to the climax, and then denouement happens in every single episode. Right. In every single episode the way they talk to each other in the first five minutes hmm. explains the whole, all the relationships in the episode. Yeah. And then like, you know what I mean? It's like you literally could watch any episode having never seen any other episode. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. I, the one, the one kind of factor, I guess. And it's funny that this is coming up on this episode because this is kind of the, like, this is a big episode in terms of sure. like overall effect on the story, right? Because sure. it is like Niles is getting a divorce now, which like doesn't happen every week, right? I wouldn't, yeah, I would assume. So. But like, but you're right that it like even even as an episode where something you know climactic for the series as a whole happens, mm. you could totally watch this as a one off and yeah. be like, yeah, it was fun. And and it's funny that you mentioned that because because uh, you know as, as, just before we started recording, of course, I was I was about to say something to you and I stopped and I said. Wait, use, right. wait, 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 <laughs> not lose your material for your recording. Um, but what you just said kind of leads into what I was going to say, which okay. was, yeah, I, I don't know if this, or I know now because you just said, said so, but I was going to say that I, I didn't know if this was a necessarily, uh, an, an episode that was necessarily, um, that had a larger impact mm-hmm. on the overarching ching our king story of the mm. series right so maybe it is in, in, yeah. a, in, a, in essence but like so i was gonna say like i don't know if every episode has this like more like has more gravitas to it mm-hmm. so to speak but but um but i just felt like uh what a coincidence that the episode <laughs> that you happened to choose or happened to land on for today happened to be such an important uh episode yeah. i suppose i so so toward the like early episodes of this podcast mm. i was really intentional about like oh, sure. every episode i would sure. watch in advance and figure out like who is the person i know who'd be like the <laughs> ideal guest for this uh i around season two i gave up on that because right. i was like no nope, right. that's exhausting <laughs> i'm gonna just let fate happen and bring in whoever for whichever episode what what season of the show is this three out of uh 11 11 wow okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's... it went so it went past like into the 2000s yeah, it ended in 2004, I think. Wow. It's a lot later hmm. than I remember. Like, that means it was still on throughout my entire high school experience, which hmm. is crazy. That's cool. Yeah, Interesting. It, it definitely, like, it, it. I think it ran longer than Friends. I think for a while Friends I was... Friends was uh, 10. Yeah, Friends was 10 seasons or yeah. 9 seasons. Like, I was saying for a while that this show 
ran the exact same time as Friends, mm. but I think it actually it ran slightly longer. I believe which, you're right. Uh, I believe you're right. Kind of crazy. Yeah, Friends was ninety four to two thousand four, and Frasier was uh, ninety three to two thousand four, as you just I think so. stated earlier. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. In your intro, <laughs> I pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So so touching on the gravitas of this episode, mm. like I, the thing that kind of stood out for me the most is the main kind of I mean obviously the main kind of conflict in this episode is mm. Frasier encouraging Niles to stand up for himself finally sure. and I over the years have had a handful of opportunities to like point out to people that like hey the relationship you're in is maybe not great mm. and you need to think about that and uh it's always such a it's always such a crazy thing you mm-hmm. know to to be on the outside of something and to recognize that it's bad and to confront the person yeah and say like hey you deserve better than this. Yeah. Uh, and I think this episode handled that really well and like got into the sort of nuance of every side of it, you know, mm. like we get to see the initial sort of denial. We get to see Niles going like, okay, yeah, I am pissed about that. this. You're right. But what am I supposed to do about it? Yeah. And, and seeing the entire arc of that, like the entire emotional arc of that in this one episode, I thought <laughs> was really like, I, I, I would not be surprised if this episode won some kind of award. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I got to say, um, Again, having an opportunity now to analyze the show in much more intellectual detail than I ever did as a child watching it, of course. Right. Um, uh, the, the the acting performances on this show are quite good. Yeah. Like all of them. All <laughs> of them, literally. Uh, the dad, both brothers, Daphne, uh, they, they are all really talented performers, which yeah. is cool, which is very cool. <laughs> yeah, with the exception of maybe Noel, who doesn't get a huge... Uh... That, that might just be the part that was written for him. Who's Noel? The the guy who comes in with the Star Trek petition. Oh, well, yeah, that was probably just like a one. Or I'm, yeah. I'm sure he's a recurring character, but yeah. that's probably just like a... It's a very small role. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Honestly, that was a little like fun. stereotypically geeky. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if it's okay with you, let's talk about stereotypes here Absolutely. for a second. Absolutely. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about stereotypes. I mean, here's the thing. Um, and And let me preface this by saying I would never use the phrase... I am about to use okay. as an excuse. Okay. But it's a it's more of a fact that we have to accept if we're watching content from a different era. Sure. That phrase is it was a different era. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I'm not I'm not like I hate when you see like politicians or this and that whatever like like our lovely prime minister and mm-hmm. having had instances of of we can call it what it is. Blackface. Uh, I don't know what if I was going to use the word performing blackface, but that's not the, the term anyways. Mm-hmm. Of putting putting himself in blackface yeah. in his past. And like, if, if for example, if somebody was going to say, well, it was a different era. Mm-hmm. You can't, I don't like using that term as a, as an excuse. Right. No, because it's not. Because it's not an excuse. Yeah. But it's an explanation. But exactly. But what it's I'm, not what I'm trying to say is that like, if if you're going to like, if you have a problem with, like, you can't change Frasier, you can't right. you can't re-edit the show. Like, it's it happened twenty years ago and it's done. Right. If you have a if you have an issue with the use of stereotypes in order to tell a story or in order to make to make a joke or in order to make a point, whatever, mm-hmm. um, then don't watch the show. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't don't watch the show or don't watch any movie or show that that uh, is. Of a different era, from that era, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but so, so that being said, I, I, I certainly, I certainly see in the show 
Um, how how stereotypes are obviously used to make certain jokes or to, to fill certain narrative uh, to, to fill a certain narrative structure, you know. Um, but but I can watch it, I think, and not be bothered by that. I mm -hmm. I, I suppose not, not be bothered in the sense that, like, again, I'm not excusing it, but I'm like, listen, I'm I'm accepting that I'm watching a show from the early to mid '90s, and right. that's that's the choice I'm making. So I'm mm -hmm. kind of just watching it. But I guess what I what I find more interesting than like, oh, is it offending or not to me that this person says this or does that or whatever? Mm -hmm. What I find more interesting is how well it played and i don't right. mean like oh people were terrible no 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 no. i mean like not the not the like oh stereotypes are, are bad that's not what i mean i mean the um the stereotypes are obvious right that's what i mean right and it's like aren't audiences more intelligent than that but again mm -hmm. i think certain jokes were like you know okay frazier's frazier's walking towards the door and and grabbing his keys and his jacket and but he's saying things like I can't remember exactly what it was, but like, you know, oh no, no, like he's, he basically siding with Niles, no, 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 siding, 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 siding. And his dad's like, you're going to talk to her, aren't you? And he's like, yes, I'll be back in an hour. It's like right. telegraphing the joke, like us as audience members, or at least as intelligent audience members, I think in 2019, it's like, mm -hmm. I see the joke coming. Oh, sorry. I see the joke coming. 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 There's the joke. Right. Or like with the four breasted bra at the end. And right. you were like, and you said to me, there's the payoff. It's like, yeah, yeah telegraphed, yeah. like perfectly telegraphed, right? right. <laughs> and as intelligent audience members in 2019, we kind of see those things coming. Mm -hmm. But it's like, um, so I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, it's interesting to me that like, there are certain things in, not even, not even just narrative storytelling, but just in so societal consumption of all things media mm -hmm. that become norms at a certain point where you, they're telegraphed and they're seen. Like in 2019, mm -hmm. I think intelligent view viewers don't r relate to that kind of content. Sure. Which again brings me back to the whole <laughs> Big Bang Theory thing, which right. is like goes back to like the the type of humor in shows from the '90s that totally. is catering to kind of in a sense the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. Which does surprise me that there's such a massive audience for those types of shows in 2019. Right. But in in 1993, 1994, 1995, it's it's less surprising to me. It's like it's like um, it, it's like. In old movies, mm -hmm. when like people like, for example, uh, the great I think I think it was the Great Train Robbery, which was one of the earliest movies, like before there was even color or or talking in movies, sure, whatever. Yeah. And at the end of the film, um, the the whole story ends, the climax has passed, and the den denouement finishes, and everything. And there's just a final shot of one of the bandits, direct camera address, looking right into the eyes of the audience, and he picks up his gun and he points toward the audience, and okay, maybe this isn't a completely true story, but it's kind of um, a manifestation of certain truth, I suppose, from that era of mm -hmm. filmmaking. But like the le legend ha legend has it that when he did that, audience members got out of their seat and like were rushing to the side <laughs> of the theater. Like not not directly perceiving or making having the neurons connect in their brain that like mm -hmm. they're watching a movie and this person's not actually there. You know what I right. mean? Right, well, because it was such an early technology. Yeah. yeah, and so I guess what I'm saying is like as we consume media over time, we start to get used to the norms of it. And so that's mm -hmm. not just true about like, okay, the visual act of like a guy pointing a gun at the audience, but it's 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 more, it's also true in the sense of like narrative structure and things like like in like in advertising, right. for example, how how like... Years ago, you literally could just like, you know, uh, show an actor using 
the product on the screen, like in the 50s and 60s, whatever, you know, show an actor using the product on the screen and being like, look, it worked. And like, it's like, oh, we that's it. That's all we need. We're going to buy it. Bye, 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 bye. Yes. The uh, Camel cigarettes are the best for uh, recommended by nine out of 10 doctors. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then like, as time goes on, we start to like learn mm-hmm. what those just like with storytelling practices, learning what those marketing and advertising practices are. Right. And like marketers and advertisers have to learn new ways to, <laughs> for those of you who can't see, I'm about to throw up air quotes, learn new ways to trick us right. into buying their products. And it's the same way with storytelling. Right. Like storytellers who are writing Frasier were like, yeah, we can telegraph these jokes. We can, like this is the way it plays and audiences don't cue into these things. Right. But now in 2019, I feel like audiences do cue into those things and you have to be yeah. a little bit more intelligent about the way you tell a joke you know yeah well and there's also like there is a lot more subtext now yes right and and, and part of that i think honestly has to do with just the quality of the picture that you can get because yes. you can kind of see more on screen than you used to right mm-hmm. like that the framing is wider which adds yeah. like a couple inches right yeah. um, but it's it's this sort of thing of like as the technology grows as the medium grows as our kind of collective exposure to things grows and we, like you said, become a little smarter, the the way that it's written changes and what people expect changes and what people want changes. A thing that I find interesting is um, a couple of the people who wrote regularly on Frasier actually now do... Um, oh no, what's the show called? It has... It had a gay couple on it. It still does. It's still on... It was like Modern Family. There we go. Yeah. yeah okay. It was like sure. I, I say it had a gay couple on it because it felt progressive when the show started. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, no, yes, you're not. Every you're show not does wrong. now. Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. A couple of the people who were writers for Frasier did end up going on to uh, to work on that, or possibly Family, producers. Yeah. I don't remember. Um, and that show feels so much smarter than Frasier because mm. there is that sort of ten year age difference, right? Yeah. Um, and and interestingly, I mean, part of that is probably that the people who were on Frasier and are now on Modern Family have gotten better at their jobs. Sure. Right? Like sure. everyone's kind of adapting. Sure. It's, it makes me wonder how the shows we watch now that we think are great will age in like 10 years. Yeah. I wonder that as well. I wonder that as well. You, 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 you don't think of anything while you're in it mm-hmm. in that moment in time, you know, but, um, and it's hard to predict the future, but yeah, yeah. I think my, my theory is that anything that currently feels thoughtful is probably still going to feel thoughtful in I 10 think years. So, but I might just so, look yeah. bad. You know, I mean, like, I. It's a very, very different thing, but like, I can still happily watch Citizen Kane. Sure. And Orson Welles did that film when in the fifties, mm-hmm. right? Forties, fifties. Um, and I still think the thoughtfulness, like you're saying, of that mm-hmm. film holds up. A lot of the film doesn't hold up, but sure. like, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. It's it's. I think it is important, like, and we touch on this on the show a lot, mm-hmm. because, like, as soon as you hold a critical eye to anything, you're going to find the things of that course. are problematic about it, right? Of course. And especially if you're watching something from 20 years ago, sure. you're going to find the things that are like, nope. And yeah. a thing that I always touch on here is, like, one, you don't put a critical eye to something unless you enjoy it enough that you think it's worth doing that with. Sure. And two, you, you can't expect something to be 100% perfect mm. you can have standards right you can have standards of what you like 
are willing to watch, right? Like, but but after a certain point, if those standards are too intense, you might never watch anything again. If if your well, policy is that as soon as something is even a little bit not great, yeah, you turn it off, then you're never going to actually engage with the media you're watching, and you're never going to watch anything because no nothing is perfect, you know. I think that yeah, I, I think that there are differences between, um, I guess, qu- like quality of storytelling or quality of of production value and narrative whatever and being like this movie or tv show or whatever that i'm watching is so bad Mm -hmm. that i'm literally gonna stop watching it sure yeah and that is fair yeah but like you're saying if you're expecting an a hundred percent nothing in this world is an a hundred percent it's yeah it's a virtual impossibility um so if your standard is a 100 percent and you're gonna get um you know, so nitpicky that you're not liking, uh, I don't know, the freaking Shawshank Redemption or something like that. Sure. Then, then what do you, you're not going to watch anything happily. You know, I remember, right. I remember I, I, years ago, uh, I had this group of friends, an old group of friends of mine who we, we, we would constantly go see movies together all the time. Mm. And more often than not, more often than not, we would walk out and the three of them would have not liked the movie we just saw, mm. and and they turned to me and say, "Well, Ben, what what did you think?" And I was like, "Oh, I loved it." Right. Like not even just like yeah, it was okay. Like and I was like, "No, no, I loved it. I had a lot of fun. It was great." You know. And they're all, they were always kind of like you know whatever poking fun at me like, "Oh, you just like everything. You you have no standards. You just like everything." <laughs> I'm like, "Look, I went through six years of film school. Right. I understand over analyzing and criticizing movies. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that what we just saw." Uh, Iron Man 3, I don't know, whatever, sure. is is a fantastic movie. It's not. It, it, there's a lot of problems with mm-hmm. the, a lot of the storytelling in this movie and the structure of the movie and it, it, the writing and whatever. But not every film that I see has to be nominated for Best Picture. Right. Like, I can go you in... Can just watch it and have fun. Yeah, yeah. I can go in and just watch it and have fun. And in fact, you know, you guys, I had said in that moment... You guys are poking fun at me for like enjoying everything. Well, all four of us keep going to these movies. All four of us keep paying the increasingly expensive price to go see said movies. You guys have a horrible experience every time, and I have a fantastic experience time every time. Who's getting their money's worth? Yeah, really. That's, well, that's exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you've gotta you've gotta be able to enjoy things, yeah. even if like. Obviously, sometimes there's things that you're just like, nope, that was crap. I really didn't enjoy that at all. And like sometimes if something is offensive and trying to be offensive. Sure, sure. Because I think that's that's the difference is that Frasier has a lot of problematic shit in it. Mm. But it never feels like they're trying to be problematic. Oh, absolutely you know not. I mean? absolutely. Whereas like there are things now where they're like, "Oh, you know what? This is edgy. Let's let's yeah. piss off some yeah. of the libtards in the audience." Yeah. And that I just don't have time for. No, absolutely not. And I, you know, <laughs> talk about being edgy for the sake of being edgy. I ha- I I have had, you know, that certainly bleeds into the age of social media. Mm. I have I have and I have no problem doing this. Like I, I know people say like about let's say Facebook and the, the whole different like spheres. Like there's, there's literally two different worlds on Facebook. There's mm-hmm. like the liberal progressive minded world and the conservative world. And like, right. we, we don't even 
there's a very, very, very small crossover in the Venn diagram yeah. of like certain liberal or conservative people who are very like, we have to see all sides of it. You know what I mean? Right. But like, I certainly fall into the much larger category of progressive minded people who's like, man, like, stop doing that on my wall. Yep. <laughs> and I, I'm just going to delete you and block you and not be, you know? And mm-hmm. like, I've had several, several instances over the last few years of people being like, no, 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 like, th- this and that. And, like pro Trump or this that whatever and maybe other Facebook friends of mine coming to my defense Mm -hmm. in the comments or whatever and saying like why are you even doing this and like it's always some version of ah come on I just I just like being antagonistic I like getting a rise out of people and I'm like good for you delete do it somewhere else you know what I mean like why why do you like who would what what non sociopathic person (laughs) would enjoy offending yeah I'm not offending you. Uh, excuse me. Offense is taken, not given. Yep. Like you're, uh, if I say I'm offended, I'm offended. Yeah. And you've offended me. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> anyway. It's, it's exhausting. But no, I don't, I don't think it's that way in Frasier. It doesn't seem like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't seem doesn't like seem they're deliberate. trying. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if the same people, same actors, same writers, same producers got together in 2019 and mm-hmm. Frasier had never happened and they made that show mm-hmm. in 2019, I think, they could have the, and the premise is great the concept of the show is yeah. fantastic oh, I think yeah. it's I think it's a great premise for a show it's very cute very simple comedy I love it simple situations that are set up from that type of comedic um, mixture mm-hmm. um, I think they would have made the, an equally fantastic show arguably a better show mm-hmm. without any of the use of like clear stereotypes yeah. of like women or stereotypes of like quote unquote weaker men whatever mm-hmm. the hell that means right, right. or stereotypes of like uh, what else did we see in this show I don't know of right. geeks nerds right yeah. uh, they'd probably still have some horny nerds let's be maybe. honest no maybe <laughs> I feel like it's still you, and some of us are horny nerds exactly. and there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> we exist <laughs> but no yes uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we are we are getting toward the end of the sure, show sure. Uh, this is the part where I like to give my guests a chance to ask me any Please. burning questions oh, right. that um, they have about Frasier uh, burning <laughs> questions I think I have, a, I have a few questions that are probably very specific Okay. simply because I cannot remember sure um, uh, why so Frasier and Niles have like British accents right so not <laughs> not technically do they not technically the accent that they are trying to do is a sort of posh transatlantic like okay like um high society seattle kind of thing okay um it's super are the two actors who play those roles Mm -hmm. british nope they're both american oh Um, interesting Kelsey Grammer, Kelsey Grammer, right? And uh, Kelsey David Grammer Hyde is actually Pierce. from the Caribbean. Weirdly, oh, is he? Um, yeah, David Hyde Pierce is. I would assume see, also from New York. Yeah, American. and then Kelsey Grammer is from the Virgin Islands, which is technically American. Technically, right? Yeah, American, yeah. yeah. Um, Saint Thomas specifically, uh, but yeah, in the Caribbean. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I guess just what, an affectation they put on in order it's to sound so fancy. interesting. Because you know, it's funny. So two things about that. The first thought that I had when I was experiencing the episode in terms of their accents was like their dad <laughs> clearly doesn't speak the same way that they do. Yeah, and so I was kind of thinking like, are they supposed to be British? And like maybe their mother is. Uh, 
from England or right. was from England or something. Um, I don't know. And then, like, I know Daphne is essentially, like, the care- caretaker of their dad. Yeah, she's... Because he's, like, an older man. And he's frail, so he needs, like, a caretaker kind of thing. Like, yeah. uh, if I'm interpreting that correctly. Originally, like, live-in physical therapist. But right. they kind of just end up lumping in all the housework with that. Sure, sure, Which sure. someone pointed out to me that, like, you know, I've always been railing that that shouldn't be her job. Well... Like, cook and clean yeah. for them. But if she's there as Martin's caretaker, yeah. then actually, like, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't like it. I think well, it's patriarchal, that's... but I think it makes sense. No, yes, but it, that's that's it. That's that's my 2019 mind interpreting that. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, if she's a living physical therapist, she shouldn't be the maid. Right. Um, if she's the maid, she should also get paid to be the maid. Exactly. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with with the the cleaning uh, service industry. Like right. people are. Um, our house cleaners and yeah. that's a viable profession and you should get paid to do that. Yeah. But, uh, but, but it shouldn't be someone who's like medically trained as a physical, th- physical therapist yeah. to do that. But yes, in 2019, <laughs> like, you know, like, um, uh, yeah, you know, like, um, I love this YouTube channel. I don't know if you've ever heard of them or seen them. Uh, this couple, they call themselves squirmy and grubs. Okay. Um, he is in a wheelchair, Permanently, he has um, sp- spinal muscular dystrophy. Okay, and his his partner, she is they they are they are romantic partners. They are life mm-hmm. partners. Uh, but she also happens to be his primary primary caregiver. Right, and so yes, that means she has to help him with physical tasks that a commonly abled person wouldn't be able to perform. But also, like she. She has to do the dishes and do the laundry and clean the house. You know what I mean? Because like right. that's just the deal. And that's obviously he helps her. He helps her in other ways, but like that's sure. the deal. So that's kind of like where my mind went. And it's like right. Martin is an old man who's you know. But it happens to be a stereotype that we're noticing because of like who we are in this day and age. Yeah. But if if it was an old woman hmm. who was frail and wasn't able bodied right. and an a commonly able bodied man was her caretaker mm. then that would it would be the same thing right but yeah, yeah exactly yeah. but he would have to be like really hot and buff of course otherwise and walk around with a okay shirt off yeah. and be properly waxed and oiled yeah that's all yeah exactly oh i'm getting myself it's not excited. that much <laughs> <laughs> no. i'm sorry we're, we're horny nerds uh, where are we where are we again <laughs> uh, sorry i'm sweating <laughs> i apologize oh man <laughs> That feels like a good place to end. <laughs> sure, please. Please. Great. Thank you so much for doing this. We'll this leave you fun. with that image, folks. Yeah. Enjoy. Take a hot shower or a cold one, whatever you need to do for the rest of the day. <laughs> it's self-care. There you go. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. This was super fun. Thanks for having me. This was very pleasant. I'd love to come back. Absolutely. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, share it. You can also support me for free by leaving, I always say for free because I used to have a Patreon for this show and then I got rid of it. Um, you can also support me just in general by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. It's the best way for the show to grow. Do you have anything you want to plug while you're here? Uh, you can follow uh, my company, Bean Duck, on all social, me- social media by just looking at Bean Duck Productions or at www.beanduck.com. That's B-E-A-N-D-U-C-K, bean like the animal. No, bean like the food, <laughs> duck like the animal. Oh, I messed it up. Bean like the food, duck like the animal. Being like the food, duck like the food, really. No, I'm vegan. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. Uh, uh, <laughs> table flip. Fair Come enough. It's okay. My mechanic was showing me pictures of his hunting trip the other day, so oh, you're, that's, you're doing okay. That's uncomfortable. <laughs> Enjoy your showers, folks. Yeah. Take a shower with a duck. <laughs> Do it.
weird experience. It just rolls off them. Um, the only thing I want to plug, uh, if you haven't already checked it out, uh, in the search bar of whatever device you are listening to this in, look for the Natural Toonie podcast. Uh, it's a brand new project that I'm working on with a bunch of people who've been on the show before. Uh, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast set in a like alternate universe Canada. Uh, it's very silly, very fun, and we have a teaser episode out for it now uh, and also another thing out for it that's Patreon exclusive. So actually, if you want to support me financially, go to patreon.com slash naturaltoonie and support me there, uh, and you'll get early access to that. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to kind of we're trying to get a little attention on it before the official launch date, which is January 1st. Uh, you can already find it on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, and I'm working on the other platforms, but I don't have time for things anymore. I will be watching it, folks. So if you look up to me and want to be cool, do it as well. Do it. I'm playing a non-binary character. It'll be fun. Um, also, you know, it's it's goofy. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say about it. It's fun. Check it out. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Tom Zalatni, where I am currently tweeting a lot about it because, again, trying to get the hype up. Yay. <laughs> uh, special thanks to Crackers and Jam for letting us use their song Wavos as our theme music. You can find all their music for sale at crackersandjam.bandcamp.com. The show is produced and edited minimally by me, Tom Zalatni, for the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network, like Natural Toonie, at upfordnetwork.com. This is Tom Zalatni wishing you all good mental health. The least you could do is listen. Find out if you're missing. What could you say to a stranger today to get them on your side? Everything you do is what you choose to show the world, but you are more than that. I'm Teffer. I'm Caddy. And I'm Hannah. And we are the Yeah Podcast. Join us as we dig into young adult literature, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA Lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah Podcast, available through the Upford Network on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! If you're someone who interacts with kids, you're probably familiar with moments of being asked questions you're just not equipped to answer. Whether it's the old favorite, where do babies come from, or the nuances of discrimination, Rad Child Podcast has your back. Each episode, your host, Seth Day, leads a discussion about topics like race, disability, loss, gender, sexuality, and so much more. Our goal is to give grown-ups the tools to talk to kids about almost anything. So come give a listen. Rad Child Podcast, helping to raise a generation of open, compassionate, rad kids. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else.